Running with Jake, the podcast. On this episode. And that's why I think I have to run for so long, because at some point I hit this sweet spot where I'm just in this trance almost and I'm enjoying the grass and the whatever wildlife I can hear and the smells and the sounds. Running with Jake, the podcast. Because every runner needs the occasional plot. And here's your host, Jake Lowe. Time to get this party started, this motivational party that you are all invited to. It is indeed Running with Jake, the podcast, your weekly dose of running motivation. Welcome to the show. The stage is set for an epic episode of Running Fun. Pete, the producer of the show, the non-running guy of the show, has turned his fan off in the name of the show so that the, the sound of the fan, I'm guessing, Pete, doesn't annoy the listeners. Is that why you've done that? Are you Are you sweating... For the listeners. Yeah, I am. Right, okay, look, I am sweating, yes. I've turned the fan off. The fan sounds like this. So you can see, you can see why I turned the fan off. It's like, I feel like I'm on the crystal maze, Jake. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what I mean? I'm trying to catch, I'm trying to get gold tickets. Two minutes, gang. Two minutes. (laughs) Exactly, so there we go. It's done, look. And do you know I've got a little, like a little studio here, and I've and I thought to myself last night, and I'm looking, and I'm going right, small air conditioning units, right, I could get that, I could get, and then I realised that this only happens once or twice or three times a year ever. But right now, obviously, we're caught right in the middle of hot weather because this is the Tuesday, which is supposedly the hottest day in the world ever, 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 ever. I mean, it is hot, definitely, and you know the. We have been issued a red alert, so this is a serious situation, and people do need to take great care, especially we're talking running here. People want to exercise, want to get out there, but obviously safety is the most important thing, way above any race that you might be working towards. So that's, that, that is such a priority. But we are suffering, Pete and I, to bring you the show. I'm in the coat cupboard, which we know is a studio. We know is a coat cupboard. It's not really a studio. It's a coat cupboard. It's very hot in here. I'm in a vest. I'm in a little pair of shorts. I'm, I, it's not a running kit. I'm just like, yeah, to be honest, if I, <laughs> if I had a string vest, I would have put that on. But I don't have a string vest. I thought about just cutting the nipples out or something, but I didn't in the end. So we're going to see how we get on. <laughs> so, so your nipples are cold, but the rest of your body is hot. I don't, yeah. I don't know. Well, that, I can't even think straight. It's just hot. Interestingly, though, Slash, bizarrely, maybe mm. slash ironically, I actually slept okay last night. I actually slept okay. I was expecting like a really bad night. Like Martina, she's busy. My girlfriend's studying at home for, for the next eight weeks. It's like intense, seven days a week. Serious studying. So she's getting up like super early to get on it, get ahead into the veterinary books and stuff. And last night I could see she's looking at the right time to go to bed. I'm thinking, oh God, I'm just not ready to go to bed. I don't want to lie in bed. It's like pointless, isn't it? You know, when you just think, right, I need to go to bed because I've got to be up. And then you're just lying there. You're just like, you know, you're not sleeping. So I was just carried on playing on the Nintendo Switch and just kind of being a boy. And then I finally went to bed and I thought, well, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm, I'm going to be up in a minute. I'm going to be up again. I'm not going to sleep. And I did. I slept like a log, mate. I can't believe it. I just, I, honestly, I feel great today. I feel great today. That's great. That's great. Normally you don't sleep well, so today it's going to be a great show. I'm perhaps one of the few people that does actually enjoy running in the heat. I want to stay safe. I want to be smart, you know, not going out the hottest part of the day. But I actually really enjoy it. Like, this is my kind of weather. I think when you've got bright blue skies, sunny, it does put you in a good mood. Obviously, you just want to be able to tolerate the heat well. In fact, I've been looking for races recently for, like, August. Like, so I'm planning my own training. I'm always busy planning my runner's training, and this these past couple of days, I've been looking at my own sessions and training, and I fancy a race in August. So, I don't know, something like a 10K, a half marathon, just before 
the main marathon training for Valencia Marathon in December starts for me. So that's kind of my idea. But I still don't really know the area like massively well. Okay, so I've been here, what, nine, ten months, something like that. But I don't know, like, all the races. Like, when I was back in Derby, where I'm from, I just know all the races and what time of year they were and all that sort of stuff. Have no idea. So I'm thinking, like, trying to Google search and find these races. And then I thought, got it. I know just the person to ask. So my friend now, a former podcast guest and a fellow running coach, Rory, I dropped him a message, said, mate, look, I'm really itching to do a race in August, maybe a 10K, maybe a half marathon. What do you think? This is a reply I got. Hello, mate. There's no such thing as racing in August because it's hot and people don't do that. So just go to a beer garden and enjoy some beers. (laughs) Now that, that is good running coach advice. That's the kind of running coach advice that you need. That's it. That's it. The thing is, I didn't respond because I thought, oh, you know, he, he's going to follow up with like a serious response and give me some great races to uh, look at. No, no, nothing. Nothing, mate. That was it. Literally, that's it. That's his advice. Just going to sit in a beer garden. Now, I'm not a running guy, but if I were a running guy, my question is, you know, who... I, and I think I, I, I would have a someone to coach me run. I would. Absolutely correct. Um, would I have my good friend, Jake? who teaches me how to run, teaches me how to better my time and my performance, or do I have um, my good friend, who's not really my good friend, but he's your good friend, uh, Rory Horseman, who is also a running coach from down south, would I have him, who advises me to go to a beer garden? (laughs) I'm pretty sure I know who I'd take on. (laughs) So there we go, we've set the tone for the show, we're going to talk about heat, we're going to talk about a difference in running coach style, and we also (laughs) are going to get into world records and cake. Lots of cake with today's guest. For the show notes and video content, go to runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast. Running with Jake, the podcast. Okay, I think it's time to get today's guest on the show. Very excited, as always, today to be speaking to Sabrina Virgie. Very excited to have you on the show, Sabrina. Welcome to Running with Jake, the podcast. Are you well today? Are you well? I'm all good. Thanks very much for having me. How are you? Because obviously we had to postpone because of your COVID. Oh, it's a nightmare, honestly. The whole COVID thing, it finally got me. We did exchange a number of messages, didn't we? We thought the show wasn't going to happen next week. We managed to get a show out. It's just, it's bonkers. But you've been down this path already, haven't you? You had COVID. And how long did you have it for? Because then you absolutely smashed some crazy race within a matter of days. I thought, this is um, incredible. I don't know how you did so it. So it must have, been, must have been four weeks ago or five weeks ago. So but I had three days in bed with fever, sore throat. And then, you know, you just get a couple of days of snotty and coughing, coughing quite a lot, probably for another week. And then, yeah, I, I didn't have much time to recover. It was 10 days after getting it, I had a race. But, and I didn't put any pressure on myself. I thought, well, it's great just to be on the start line. And, and I was surprised to manage the 50 miles. And yeah, felt good. <laughs> you just got to see what happens on the day, haven't you? I had a race. People listening think, oh, maybe a little, maybe she had a little go to a park run or something like that. No, no, no. No, it was a 50-mile race, just uh, 50 miles straight in. It's funny, though, isn't it? Because people, I'm finding this, and the world is finding this, or you know, runners want eager to get back to training and racing. Everybody's dealing with it differently, aren't they? Kind of symptoms-wise and, and how long it kind of sets them back for. You've got to find your own way a little bit safely. Yeah, well, that's it. I think it, not only is it different for every person, but I do think there's variability in the strains. So I think the people who were getting it back in March were having more chance of getting long COVID, or certainly a lot of friends of mine who, who are runners aren't back to um, full racing yet. And, and that's, 
you know, that's a big impact on your life, isn't it? So I feel like I've got away with it. Absolutely. You certainly look well. We're connecting on on Zoom videos as we speak now. It's, yeah, nice to kind of get it out the way. I mean, my, my, my runners are messaging me periodically, kind of taking it in turns now. I coach people in different places in the world and they're messaging me saying, oh, positive test oh no what do i do i've got a race coming up you know it's that it's that initial panic isn't it not just getting over the symptoms and i'm a bit unwell and work and all that stuff it's like what about training what about races i've got london to do it's just mad well look you've got it behind you now and you are absolutely like it's a huge inspiration to get into your story obviously one of the reasons we wanted to chat to you as an ultra endurance athlete a world record holder I mean, how mad does that sound? Does that sunk in a world record holder? Really want to get into your story. Obviously, you've got you've got a new book coming out that people can pre-order. This is going to be a great book, by the way, if you listen to this. Uh, we're going to get into a great chat with Sabrina. You're going to be like, oh, I need this book. I need this book in my life. Uh, we were talking before we started recording this. It's not actually out yet um, because I, I said, well, we haven't had a copy. I was really hoping for a copy of this book. We're starting to read it. It's not out yet. But you can pre-order it. And this is Where There's a Hill really interested to find out about this and this is to do with your Wainwrights attempts isn't it yeah so and and the thing I, I decided to do this um challenge a long time before I was I'd really have considered myself an ultra runner um so it's it's kind of what got me into it in 2014 um there's another book called there's no map in hell that Steve Birkinshaw wrote and Steve was the um, he wasn't the first person to go around Wainwrights but he he broke the then record um, and he was the first person to sort of map it out so that everybody else could see how you might go about, you know, going, doing the route. Um, so I was very inspired by watching him do it. Um, and I think the, the thing about my attempt was that I didn't just try once, I had to try four times to achieve what it was I wanted to do. So there's a bit of persistence there. Um, uh, so it's my take on, you know, where there's a will, there's a way, or, you know, where there's a hill, um just the yeah just the tenacity of 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 what it took to um to to do what i wanted i get that persistence tenacity these are very very important things when it comes to pushing yourself of course in all distance but let's just give it some context and perspective what is rain wayne right if i can say what is that for people that are listening that don't know that's true um so if you live in the lake district you're very familiar with what a wainwright is um, and a lot of people come up here to bag the Wainwright summits. So these are collection. These are a collection of the hills in the Lake District that um, Alfred Wainwright um, thought were of interest, of particular importance, of um, special. And uh, he, he was an interesting man. He he wrote seven books uh, on the Lake District hills of these two hundred and fourteen Wainwrights. Um, so seven chapters uh, based on uh, where they are. Um, and he actually sketched and illustrated the summits. And, and he's very particular about what what was the summit, because there's some debate in that when you get up the top, or is it that cairn or that cairn? Uh, so he was very particular about what he thought was the summit. Um, and he did a lot of um, sketches that show you the um, the shape of the mountains, the different routes up. That's very interesting uh, to read those. And I, so I think I can understand why people are obsessed with the Wainwrights uh, and the books, as I was. <laughs> Lifelong mission for him, wasn't it? Uh, Pete, Pete's smiling here. Pete, you, you're, I don't know whether you're familiar with Wainwrights. I just, I just worry that when 
Sabrina, I mentioned Wainwrights. You're thinking of the gold nail that they do, which is readily available in Sainsbury's, Tesco, other good supermarkets as well. I don't know if you're familiar with the actual Wainwrights books and, and all to do with the fells in, in, in the lakes. Are you familiar? As a non-running guy of the show? Yeah, I mean, as a non-running guy of the show, I would say that I'm very much aware of the work and I think it's amazing. And I, the work came to me through the beer. So, you know, what right. I would say is there are different gateways into the work. Sabrina, look, tell me, how do you get into this stuff? Because what I'm really interested to know as well, and I really want to get it get into your kind of mindset here when it comes to spinning plates you know as a veterinary surgeon and i know through my girlfriend who's who's on that path you know she's 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 um, a veterinary anesthetist and just so busy spinning plates how do you get into what you get into first of all you know did you was it was it like a, did you just jump straight head first into the deep end of running crazy distances ultra distances hitting the fells you know did you start with five and 10k what was your kind of pathway and entry if you like <laughs> yeah i mean where do i start with this and then that's kind of where i uh go through in the book of um okay well, when did when did i start running you know i try to think back what, what, what did i start with i just remember as a child you know my first sort of at primary school i didn't i couldn't do sport at all i was constantly that kid on the bench not getting picked for the team uh, when it came to running i felt like i'd barely got off the start line everyone's finished that 100 meter sprint you know i really was quite terrible um, and constantly told I can't do this and I can't do that because I'm, you know, so it was it was sort of a lot of negative reinforcement of, of I shouldn't be trying to do these things. Uh, and I went to a secondary school and it was very much the same. I wanted, I really wanted to play sports. I really enjoyed it. I wanted to play tennis, but we were told, oh no, only the best girls get to play tennis. Um, and it wasn't until I left that school, um, so at 16 and gone to another school to do my A-levels, where I was actually really positively encouraged when I said, oh, I'd quite like to try hockey. They'd be like, go for it. Come on the team, play hockey. I'd quite like to try rock climbing. Oh, yeah, yeah, come and do that. So I overindulged in every single sport imaginable, probably because I'd felt a bit suppressed. <laughs> um, and eventually found, um, I think, a bit of endurance in me that I would probably do five or six hours of sport all day, different ones, just because I was allowed and I'd just keep going and going at it. Um, so I think that's that's where it kind of started. And then going to um, university, um, again, I picked up a number of sports from um, rowing for the Oxford University Lightweights. Um, then I found modern pentathlon, which is actually running, horse riding, swimming, shooting and fencing epee, which... I only knew how to horse ride really at that time. And so it was then that I started trying to run the three kilometres quite fast. So I did actually do some training to try and run three kilometres quite fast. But it was clear that three kilometres was a bit short and that I would still want to run more after. Um, I don't know why, but I decided to enter the London Marathon in, I think it was 2002 I did it. Uh, I was raising money for water aid and they wanted me to dress up as a toilet. And um, I thought, yeah, why not? I've never run a marathon before. And why not just try to do it dressed as a toilet? So um, I'm up for it. I'm in. Yeah, Where do I, sign? I know. <laughs> I thought, well, this will raise more money for charity. So it's a good idea, right? So I didn't really do much training for that. I was doing all sorts of other sports. Um, and then the day came quite quickly. And I think the week before I went to go and pick up this toilet costume, I didn't realise that my entire body was going to be encased in this toilet. I'm thinking, I can't really move my legs or my arms. 
this is really quite a hindrance. Um, so we, we adapted it slightly so at least it, I could have my, my arms out rather than inside a toilet tube. Um, and I thought, Christ, this is, this is going to be hard. I think I'll run in this for a mile and then I'll get my parents to be there and I'll just give them the costume and then I'll run the rest. Then, then everyone's got something. Cause I like, how can I run? Anyway, so on the day I turned up um, and I, I th- there were um, people holding sticks suggesting, you know, okay, if you're going to run five hours, stand around here. If you're going to run six. So I saw lots of people in costumes and I was wandering up. I was at the eight hour mark. I thought, oh, I don't want to run for eight hours. That's a long time. Seven, that's still quite a long time. Okay, there's some other people in fancy dress here around the six hour mark. Right, this is good. So I set off there. Anyway, after a mile, um, I'm looking for my parents and there's millions of people and I can't see them and I'm like, oh, never mind. So I just kept running in this um, toilet suit and various people are passing me or I'm passing them and they go, oh, I, I could use you now. And I'm thinking, oh, no, please. <laughs> <laughs> what a horrible image. <laughs> I know. And various other very unfunny jokes um and somehow uh i crossed the line still in this toilet suit um and thought well that was a good laugh um and yeah i'd run a marathon without really thinking about it so i think and we raised a lot of money for water aid i think people quite impressed that i ran this thing i did it in four hours and 20 something minutes so a lot faster than my my prediction so I think at that point I thought, oh, you know, maybe I'm not terrible at this. Um, maybe I could do more of this. Um, but I, I didn't take up more running, really, at that point. Um, I then finished my degree at Oxford. Um, I went into investment banking for, for my sins. I realised wow. in, a, in, a yeah, no, in a few months, I was like, no, no, this isn't for me at all. I need to do something a bit more useful. Um, so I decided that I, would, I needed to be a vet. It would be a bit, a bit more rewarding. Um, so I left that job and went. I then had to train for five years to be a vet. So I went off to Cambridge. Um, I only knew there were two universities or something. It wasn't my, my, my idea of the world wasn't very broad. Um, so I went to vet school at Cambridge. Um, and there, uh, again, I took up lots of sports. I continued pentathlon. Um, and I found a, a really exciting new thing called adventure racing. Have you heard of adventure racing? I have, but I, I don't think I could describe it. What, what's the true definition of adventure racing? Because now you've got so many different variations, haven't you? I mean, there's OCR, the obstacle course races, and there's, you know, if you if you want to do something a bit different, you can probably find it through Google, can't you? So tell me, what, what is adventure That's racing right. by definition? Yes. It is difficult to describe. I think you've hit the nail on the head there. Um, The crux of it is you're doing various different sports, so more than one sport, and there's a navigational element. So you have to find your way to checkpoints. Um, It can be, there can be short races. So there are two and five hour races where you're just running, biking, sometimes kayaking, often off-road, generally off-road as an adventure. Um, but the types of races that I really got into were the long ones called the expedition races. And you do those in teams of four. And to be competitive, it has to be a mixed team. So generally, it would be me and three guys um, racing together um, for days. And it was um, all nonstop. Uh, so you can sleep, of course, but that's in your race time. 
So it's a bit of a strategy to decide how long you should sleep versus, you know, your efficiency at moving speed and also not getting lost and being complex mentors to navigate yourselves around. There's very much you have to be self-sufficient. You then um, transition your sports. So um, you'd get the maps. uh, You'd have to decide where you're going. You'd then be told you'd see on the map where the next transition area was. And this is where you sort of change sport. So you might start with a trekking stage that takes 12 hours. And yeah, you'd run as much as you can, but generally you end up walking. Some of it, you've got packs where you've got sleeping bags and all sorts because you have to you'd look after yourselves. So there's mandatory equipment. Sometimes you have to carry a tent. Um, so then you'd get to your transition point for your next sport that might be mountain biking. And you go off, you could be going on your mountain bikes for 24 hours. Um, and then you get to the next support point and then you might go for a kayak Sometimes they throw in other things. I've done all sorts. I was horse riding sometimes, done caving, done inline skating, been on trikes. I mean, some of the things I've never even heard of. I mean, what's a trike? I and mean, a skikes? Skikes? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's just... just what? <laughs> but yeah, I know. In, 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 on the continent, they like to do a lot of skating things, I've discovered. I, mean, I found, you know, having done no inline rollerblading, uh, we did a section that was like 60 kilometres in inline skates. <laughs> And, and you eventually get it, you know. <laughs> so, um, and you just hope you're not going downhill because uh, you don't really know how to stop. And sometimes you find yourself on the road with buses and things you're like, oh, my God. So it's it's all very adventurous. Uh, but I absolutely loved it. And it, it took me all over the world. I got to go and race in New Zealand. I raced in, in South America, um, France and Spain. And, yeah, it's it it's been really fun. Do you have to stay together for this? You know, as a, you talk about as a team here and I... I've really, I've never done anything like that, but I actually really like the sound of it from what you're saying. I'm not quite sure about the, you know, the skating and whatnot. I'm not sure my techniques up to that. But you know what I mean? When you stay to, when you're there together as a team and you need an element of trust, I guess, do you have to stay together for the stages? Do you have to finish each stage together? So you have to be together all the time. So how does it work in terms of nav- navigating then, Sabrina? So for example, you know, I'm, ju- I'm just thinking, do you, do, you all ha- do you all have to be on the same page, I assume, when it comes to navigating? Do you, do you nominate one kind of leader that makes the overriding decision on directions and stuff or I guess some people are better in the group than others that's exactly it so you you need to assign roles to people so someone might be the captain who's sort of in charge of organizing if there's any disputes you know they're going to be settling the final decision um and then you know someone who's a strong navigator so who's really good with the maps but you generally need also a second strong navigator because when that one gets tired you need to or if they're ill or you know feeling a bit weak or someone else needs to take over but generally everyone will be able to read a map to some degree you know because the reason you're in teams as well is because sometimes you're in very remote areas you might have to split into pairs if someone was injured two of you go get helped to one stays with the injured person so you all need to be able to read read a map um, but yeah, there are other roles. So we often have a pack horse that might be a person who's like stronger than everyone else that can just carry more weight. Um, and, uh, you know, yeah, there are different roles for people. That'd be me. They'd make me the pack horse. I'm not strong, by the way, Sabrina, but just for a laugh, I think my mates would just give me everything to carry. <laughs> Watch me struggle. I- I'd be the pack horse. Yeah, give it the little guy. Um, just give him everything. He'll be fine. He'll be right. He'll be right. Well, well the thing is, you see, Jake, because you, cause you are quite small and, you know, I mm. want to say small, but you're just like a, a good shape. Mm. Um, when you have a really big back on your, big bag on your back, it makes you look funny. So, you know, it, it would work, wouldn't it? Well, I'm, I'm pleased I, I can be your entertainment, Pete. I'm very happy yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah, always. Serena, it's just getting back to the serious topic <laughs> of running. Do you, do you prefer the individual stuff? 
you know, going out there and doing the challenges like the Wainwrights, I imagine you've got to be supported, which I want to ask you about. But it's kind of, it's on you predominantly, isn't it? There's, it's not a, a team as such that are doing the whole thing. Do you prefer that rather than being as part of a team or is it a mix for you? Yeah, so I think it's difficult to get a team of four who are all fit, no one injured, uh, to the start of a race and also to get all four people to the end of a race as well. Just in terms of... I guess of, be available as well. Yeah, all of those things. Yeah, everyone's got life issues that sometimes, you know, things mean they can't then turn up and you're scratching around for a last minute teammate. So all of those things, I think, make, make you know, make it a challenge. But when you're racing with other people, it's very sociable. Um, and I think that's the thing about me doing the Wainwrights is actually I got all the social element from it because like you say I had a support team so yes I was running all of it and then I would get um sort of friends to come out and run with a section with me um one or two people um helping uh, helping me just make sure I'm going the right way if I'm a bit sleepy and you know not really on it um and carrying carrying food and water for me which allowed me to move faster so that meant that, um, you know, I was able to chat, we were having a laugh. Um, so all the fun things of being in a team. And it felt like that to me. We were a team and all wanting the same thing. Um, I was just the person that ran all of it. And it's a bit like, you know, a football team playing together. And one person, yes, is striking the goal. But it, everyone has done something to help that person uh achieve what they want to so i totally get that sabrina i'm a big yeah. f1 fan and it's not just about the driver behind the wheel it's about everybody that's playing their part to help right. facilitate that that journey and hopefully that experience and that win ultimately um an achievement tell me so 214,000 under six days 325 miles very difficult for me to comprehend certainly and i'm sure people listen to this now sleep this is a big thing i like to ask people like yourself sabrina i mean People generally don't have the best of relationships with with sleep. How much did you sleep? Did you manage to get any? Yeah, so this is the absolute crux of, of how I managed to achieve what I did. And it's from my adventure racing background, having been so used to um, moving, uh, being sleep deprived. Okay, so I would notice that the rest of the team are absolute zombies. And there I am completely on it. No, and that was quite frustrating because it's really hard to drag three people. Um, whereas if it's just one person having a moment, the three of you can shimmy them along. Um, so, so I I think I, I made the most of that. My that, that's my talent, coping with sleep deprivation. Um, and during the Wainwrights, I I had around seven hours of sleep over that six days, which isn't very much. Yeah. I can't get my head around that. It's interesting the way you talk about the numbers of people going through that sleep deprivation and really how it affects them as well. It's almost like you need to be in sync, don't you, ideally? And if you're out of sync and it's just you that's feeling a bit sprightly and actually you need the support of other people and they're struggling, it's, God, it's it's tricky, isn't it? It is tricky. It's interesting that it's you've you built that, I suppose, skill, that talent, which it is, isn't it? From Especially with the things that you do from the adventure racing as well. In normal life quote unquote do you do you sleep well are you generally a good sleeper or are you somebody that's always kind of not slept huge amounts i know how busy you are as a veterinary surgeon and through the studying five years and all that sort of stuff do you generally sleep yeah i've never slept well ever so as a baby my mum said she would you know put me down to go to sleep but i would just be there amusing myself with the mobile all night 
potentially. So even <laughs> as a baby, I wasn't annoying. I didn't cry or anything. I was just. Was it a smartphone or was it the old Nokia? <laughs> Oh, you mean the mo? I got it right. Yeah, you mean one of the mobile things. I just had visions of you in this cart, just like texting your mates. Brilliant. Are you awake? This is really boring. Brilliant. Yeah, you're right. I I'm mean, so bored. God, when I was a baby, mobiles didn't exist. Yeah, I'm old. Hello. Yeah. Brilliant. Or they would have been like a car phone brick. Uh, no, even that was before. Uh, yeah, no, that's funny. Yeah, so I wasn't able to sleep as a baby. Um, and as a child, I remember my parents getting very frustrated with me. I'd, I'd be going to, you know, I'd be going to bed at what was bedtime, but I would get up and I'd come in. They'd be trying to watch television and I'd be like, I can't sleep, I can't sleep. And, you know, they'd be like, stay in your room. <laughs> you know, um, so that I've always been like that. And as an adult, um, you know, some, some nights are better than others. Um, so I think that's one of the reasons I've taken to doing um, emergency veterinary work at night um, because I think, well, if I'm not going to be asleep, I might as well be doing something useful with myself. Yeah, it's hard work. That doesn't it doesn't suit everybody, does it? Being on call and late nights and all that sort of stuff. It, it's clearly one of your strengths, and it's helping you in many areas of life, namely work and these challenges that you do. How do you fit everything in then? How much training are you doing on a on a week to week basis generally, or does it vary hugely? It really varies hugely depending on um, how. Uh, how much work I've got on um, but I always try to find time to do something and and that's the other thing about running versus the adventure racing because um, with running you just it's so easy you just put a pair of shoes on and, and off you go and you can do 20 minutes 30 minutes an hour even short amounts of time um, are quite beneficial to your fitness you know if it's if I'm only going out for half an hour 40 minutes then I can go hard um, whereas if I've got all day, then I'll easily put the shoes on and disappear off into the fells for eight, ten hours um, just just for amusement value. And I, I don't really call it training, actually. Um, I use my running as a way to just switch my brain off. That's probably when I'm sleeping, <laughs> um, when I'm running, because my brain is so busy uh, and it, I really have difficulty just turning it off. But when I'm running, I, I get a sense of peacefulness and relaxation, probably meditation. And that's how I use my running. So it's really important for me to, to go out and do that. And I'm very hesitant to call it training because um, it, it's actually, you know, just throw your shoes on and go and do whatever your body feels like. So, you know, yeah. Interesting shift in 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 mindset there really i think you know not referring to it as training i think that's really interesting and i I wonder if in some way that that really helps you as well whether that's to do with pressure and management of you know i want to ask you about how well you deal with pressure some people actually really welcome pressure other people shy away from it um but when you when you're out there for for seven eight hours in in the fells what do you think about are you able to switch off? Are there things that are kind of common thought patterns? Do you find yourself reverting back to thinking about work or do you think about training or do you think about the environment or is it just a mix? Or are you able to quieten the mind? That's right. So at the beginning, I find my mind is is chaotic with, you know, trying to write the world, uh, thinking about various cases from work. I'm, I'm you know, and, and, and I'm like, start running and it starts to get me right and then it goes back to that and that's why I think I have to run for so long because at some point I hit this sweet spot where I'm just in this 
trance almost and I'm enjoying the grass and the um you know the whatever wildlife I can hear and the smells and the sounds and you know and the weather actually I mean it's very nice to run in sunshine I actually love the heat but equally if you've got the elements raging actually when the elements are really you know when it's really windy and when it's really raining or whatever actually it's so much easier to switch off quickly because I'm in survival mode you know I have to put my clothes on I have to take care I have to stay on my feet um, so actually, when the elements are at the worst, that's probably easier, faster for me to switch into um, relaxation mode, uh, I would say. Very, yeah, I get that. It's very different, isn't it? The, the, the challenges associated with, I guess, extreme weather as well and, and conditions and environment. And, and I often say, you know, we get into the conversation with people like yourself that love the off-road stuff, the serious fell stuff, mountain stuff, long stuff. The, the, ch- the, the, the changes are drastic. Seasons you just you know one day could be so different from the next and certainly one month and 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 whatnot and you have to be prepared for that especially when you're out there for so long as well i think that's really important in terms of the heat it's a hot topic at the moment obviously it's quite funny you mentioned i really like the heat i love it as well actually i do love running in the heat in fact i messaged you this morning said oh you know sabrina looking forward to chat i hope you had a great weekend you were like oh i love running in the sunshine do you take precautions when it's particularly hot what 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 do you do i'm interested to know how you structure your runs if you like uh, to look after yourself keep yourself safe when it's hot um yeah i suppose the important thing is to stay hydrated um and i also put electrolytes in my water so i'm not drinking straight water and try and take some with me so yeah if i'm I'm going out for eight hours in the heat um even though i'm quite um dark skinned i'll I'll stick some sun cream on uh, i'll take a cap sunglasses um and but i think it's great to be able to run in shorts and t-shirt which normally i'm not able um (laughs) And then I'll have a lighter pack because I don't need so many layers. Because if we're going in the mountains, we'll normally have, you know, a thick, thick layer like a primal loft. We'll have a waterproof trousers on top, you know, and all these things. So actually the pack is not bulked up with clothes. And actually I can put more water in, extra electrolytes. Um, and you probably don't need as much food when it's hot either. But uh, yeah, um, just to drink regularly. And then in, in the fells, it's beautiful. You know, you've got streams, so you can dunk your, yourself in there or get a buff and soak it. And I, I use that to flannel my head and back of my neck to keep myself cool. Um, but I wouldn't say that I struggle with it. Um, my husband really struggles with it. So if we go out when it's very hot, I'm really mindful of him because um, I think it affects people's hearts as well. I think we'll learn more about this um, in the future, but um, heat um, certainly exacerbates any um, sort of cardiac conditions. And um, a lot of male athletes have actually um, changed their heart structures and, and muscles. I mean, a doctor will explain this much better, but um, it does make them a bit vulnerable to arrhythmias. Um, and particularly if you're sweating and you're losing electrolytes like potassium, if your potassium goes low, it makes you more vulnerable to arrhythmias. That's where the heart is in an in a abnormal rhythm. Um, and, and, and that can make you feel um, pretty bad and, and not be able to progress forward. And so I think it's really important to listen to your body. Um, so I have to be aware that if, um, if it's really hot, that I'm not pushing Ben too hard. Um, and that I, I slow down uh, so that he doesn't have to chase me um, in the heat because I think it can go pear-shaped quite quickly. And you'll see a lot of ultra runners, I think, if they've had a bad, you know, a bad race uh, in the heat that could be 
the crux of the problem. So important, isn't it? I think knowing yourself, as you know yourself very well, Sabrina, and you're pretty good in the heat, um, uh, as you say, being dark skin, it's, it's easy for you as well to a degree. You've got that experience. You know that you're okay and you know how to deal with it, whereas... Uh, is it Ben that you mentioned isn't as comfortable and, and you know you don't want to be in an unsafe situation certainly put somebody else in an unsafe situation and I think it's making sure that there are contingencies in place you know I say that to to all of my runners look just be careful if I'm running with Martina who is fair but she's she's Italian so she's used to the heat although it's been a number of years since she's lived there kind of long term uh, but she is pretty good in the heat but I'm, I'm constantly checking in to make sure she's okay do you feel safe you know and she knows what I mean by that dizzy lightheaded you know that kind of thing we make sure we keep hydrated um very very important very important how do you fuel your runs do you what have you got like a go-to food do you take a lot with you you must do you can't just stop at a shop in the middle of the fells so what do you what do you pack that's right yeah so um I do use mountain fuel, which is a um, you know, like a sports nutrition powder that I can stick in the water. That gives me my electrolytes and a bit of carbs. So that, that, that's quite nice. Um, but in terms of food, I really like cake. I think cake's a brilliant um, go-to <laughs> food everyone should have. I love that. I just we need we need to edit that bit out and just kind kind of play it on loop peak. You see, I started uh, nodding furiously uh, at that point. I don't know why. <laughs> like yes, yeah. I all that other stuff you said. Yeah, yeah, it was good. <laughs> it was great. I appreciate it. It's a running show. I've got to say that. But you know, now you're talking my language. It's cake the whole way. What's your favourite cake? What cake? What's a re- you know? Are you in the middle of the peaks? Uh, middle of the fells, rather. Here's me peaks back in Derbyshire, my hometown. You're in the middle of the fells. You really fancy a cake. You can have any cake. What do you go for? So it's got to have something with buttercream, you know, buttercream and cake. I've had some nice mm. coffee and walnut cakes with l- lashings of buttercream, but it's really the buttercream that makes it. A good moist carrot cake with um, cream cheese, that's pretty good. Now, I know that getting these things around not completely mauled into a mess is also difficult. Sometimes I'll keep them in their box and I'll carry the box up in my little backpack. <laughs> And that's when you're really smug, when you get to that top of that hill in the middle of nowhere and then you get your little box out and your cake's still perfect with all the buttercream on it and you take that bite. That's magic. You're winning at life at that point. You are. <laughs> that must be really difficult during one of these like big races or challenges like Wainwrights because you can't be carrying a nice little neat box of cakes with a ribbon around them. You must be craving cakes by the end. Do you, do you, take, do you have cakes during like challenges like that? Absolutely. My, I went into, yeah, went into the Ginger Bakers uh, uh, Plum Gas in Kendall and I ordered, I got 120 slices of cake for me and my team to eat <laughs> on the way around the Wainwrights. So there was no excuse for not having cake at any point at all. I mean, what, what a great day for them. They're just probably closed for the month. Is that right? That's us done. <laughs> oh, I'm a regular. I'm a regular. <laughs> I just think as well, I mean, this this whole, you know, nicely carrying the cakes and preserving them to preserve the experience halfway up a mountain. I really get that. I think it's great. But I'm just wondering how much quicker you go if you just like shoved your coffee and walnut cake and your Battenberg in a blender and then just stuck it in a flask and just drank it. It'd probably save you a lot more time as well, wouldn't it? I'm not sure the experience would be the same, though, but you'd still get the calories. Now, people talk about motivation, don't they? Mm. So, you know, the motivation is to be eating nice cakes. So oh, that's, you know, that's yeah. what keeps you going. And that's what inspires you to, you know, to make it. In fact, my friend Maddie 
I mean, this is the whole reason why I managed to do this challenge because she said she showed me the picture of the cake she'd made for her sister's wedding, and it was a three-tiered uh, cake with like um, carrot cake, lemon cake, and chocolate cake, so different cakes. And uh, I said to her, "I want, I want one of those. You know, just like a spoiled brat." She said, "Well, you'll have to earn it." And I was like, "Well, what if I do the Wainwrights?" And this was at the third attempt, and she said, "Well, no, you'll have to break the record." You know, you can't just get round the rain rise. That's not good enough. You have to break the record. <laughs> so that was my oh. motivation. And she did make me this cake. And she even put, like, uh, these kind of crazy sparkling fireworks on it. It was amazing. It was worth it. It was all worth it. Sabrina, listen, if, if people want to keep up to date with you, uh, well, I would send them to your Instagram. But I had a little look at your Instagram. You're not really, you're not really up with the old Instagram, are you? You haven't got time for that. I've noticed that you've only got I'm seven not posts. Good at it, am I? Well, you've only got <laughs> seven posts, but people are itching to know what Sabrina's up to and what she's got to say because you've got like tons of followers, <laughs> but you're only following nine people, <laughs> one of which is me. So we're very offended. You're like Beyonce, you are. I mean, she's got like a billion followers, but she never posts anything. You're almost the same. <laughs> I'll get it sorted. I'll I'll sort the old Insta banging out. No, don't um, worry, you haven't got time. I actually. Look, you got you need I actually laugh at people who do it I don't know how yeah I'll get on don't it don't worry about it you got too much cake to, to, to eat hills to run and, and dogs to save so don't worry about that Look, forget Instagram we're, we're going to link in the show notes page where people can buy your new book it is coming out when's it out when's it officially out Sabrina have you got a date yet launch date September yeah cool. I think it was 15th yeah awesome okay well we'll put that in the show notes page which is runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast go and check it out go and buy the book I'll tell you the other thing we should put in the mm. uh, put in the show notes uh, Jake for today is obviously that cake shop yeah. cake shop Ginger Baker's that's very important. A link, we link we, the, we'll link to the cake we'll link shop. that very in the important. show notes page. Do you want me to also put in there, Pete, my um, my coffee and walnut cake smoothie? Do you want? Do you want? Should I put the recipe? And no, you can. Yeah, yeah why not? Why not? Pass it on. Well, it's pretty straightforward. You just you just basically put the cake in a blender and just turn it on. But I, I'll put it. I'll put it in the show notes page anyway. It's fine. Sabrina, before I let you go and get out there to save the world of animals and to run lots of mountains, I've got one final question for you. Are you ready for this question? It's a big one. Big one, man. Huge. Go on, fire it at me. Mm. Pressure, pressure. Okay. Uh, you're not allowed to call your mates as well. You know, you're adventure running mates. You can't call them. They can't get you out of this. You, you... Anyway, the question. This is your weekly dose of running motivation. What does the word motivation mean to you? <laughs> what is the word? Why? Can it not just be cake? <laughs> <laughs> That'll do. That's will do that should be your instagram post imagine how many followers you'd get then if you just said look my motivation cake <laughs> sabrina it's been a pleasure catch up soon okay thanks a lot running with jake the podcast buttercream buttercream yeah i'm not <laughs> what i'm not a mad fan of buttercream you know i like cake i'm up for cake all runners like cake running coaches sure. like cake too everybody likes cake buttercream just a bit sweet i'm a bit it's a bit grainy as well i don't know i'm not a fan not a fan man gotta say i'll tell you one thing i am a big fan of yeah yeah uh, athletic greens ag1 of course today's show is sponsored by them and um and, and we've been taking it we've both been using it uh for a good few weeks now really um and and the great thing about athletic greens and ag1 particularly um is uh, they they kind of align with what we do, don't they? Absolutely, they align with what we do, and I, I'm loving that stuff. And I did wonder, you know, obviously with the uh, the heat, the heat wave, red alert, red alert, not good at the moment, like seriously hot. I thought, am I going to fancy this in the morning? Do you know what I mean? Am I going to fancy it? 
Do you know what I did this morning? And, I, and yesterday as well, I did the same thing this week. Wax some ice in there, didn't I? Really simple, really simple. So, so we, we use filtered water. So I've got a water filter, but we don't put it in the fridge. It's massive as well, so it doesn't fit the fridge. So we leave it out and that's fine normally. It's okay, but I don't really want kind of, you know, room temperature now is obviously that little bit hotter, isn't it? So oh, I'm not really, I'm not sure I'm fancying this. So I stuck it in the blender. Stuck it, I stuck it in my Vitamix with some ice, AG1, scoop of AG1, 75 vitamins in one scoop, plus ice. Loved it, loved it. Honestly, beautiful. That's really simple, but it absolutely makes sense. You're right. Um, I must admit, I, I haven't used ice with it, but that's just because I like to stick it in the shaker, one scoop of it. I know that I've got 75 high-quality vitamins in there. Uh, I've got uh, whole food ingredients. I've got probiotics. It's really good for my gut health. If you don't believe how good it is, listen to last week's show. Honestly, uh, it all works. And I've kind of just got into the habit of like just banging it in and it all being done and mixed within about 20 seconds and then just downing it and enjoying it. So I'll tell you what, I'm taking that ice tip and I'm using that tomorrow. And less than one gram of sugar per scoop, I'll take that. <laughs> you will. Well, you've got that. And Athletic Greens do have over 7,000 five-star reviews. So it's not just me and Jake who think this stuff is great. A lot of people think it's great, including not just, you know, running podcasters, including actual real proper professional sports people as well, like Lewis Hamilton, for example. I mean, how cool is that? Uh, if you would like to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, it's just one scoop a day, like I said earlier, in water and a little bit of ice. That's all you need. Um, there's no need to go sticking loads of different things in there because this covers it all. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com forward slash running. That's specially for our show, you see. Uh, nice, that. Again, it's athleticgreens.com forward slash running to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance and now it's time to take another one of your questions it is indeed hashtag ask jake today's very relevant question comes from max who wants to make some changes to his training based on the hot conditions that we're all experiencing at the moment so he he knows that he doesn't want to do what he normally would go out there and do the session that's on his training plan but he doesn't know how to reduce the intensity or rather the best way to reduce the intensity max i really like the way that you're thinking and as we mentioned so many times safety is the most important thing to reduce the intensity of a session sometimes it's about getting a little bit clever with it so you could reduce the distance so the actual distance that you're covering in that run you could reduce the duration that you're running for the time spent exercising which would reduce the amount of time you're putting your body under stress you could also reduce the intensity so if for example you have a session that's hill repeats or some threshold work or interval work some faster pace running then you can just back off. You could even switch the run completely to make it a very easy run, just to make things a little bit easier for the body. The other thing you could do, of course, is switch out the run completely for some cross training. Uh, yesterday I got in the pool because it was particularly hot. I didn't run the distance that I normally would have ran and I just spent time in the pool, still getting the benefits for my fitness. I hope that helps, Max. Good luck with your training. Stay safe. And of course, if you have a running-related question, then you can get in touch by dropping us an email at podcast at runningwithjake.com or hashtag askjake. As we're now coming to the end of the show, Pete, I think you are allowed to put the fan back on. I can see you sweating profusely. Oh, great. It's not good for your health. Oh, I'm God, worried about you. Much. 
I'm worried about uh-huh. the other people that live in your yeah. house. You chill out, my friend. You chill out. Thank you for listening to another episode. A sweltering ball of motivation that is the podcast. Stay safe out there. Look after yourselves. Have a great week of running, and we will be back next week for more running motivation. It's really weird when you speak into a fan, isn't it? Listen. Hello! 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 Oh! And one more thing. If you can't stand the heat, stay out of the kitchen. And definitely stay out of Pete's studio. Good advice!